goodness, everyone. It is take 79. Today is going to be kind of a, a little bit more of a different take than what we're used to because we've got a dynamite guest on today with us. His name starts with an M and it ends in at or and he's here with us. We're going to give him an even better intro when he comes on. We are talking about music today, sound effects, movies, all in this take 79. Maybe we'll go over some favorite scores. Maybe we'll go over some of our favorite sound effects. Maybe we'll talk Whiplash. Maybe we'll talk Apex Legends. It is your boy, the Sweet Keeks. And who we got now? We we have TC introducing Matt. Matt, dude, thank you for coming on. We're thank you for having you. me. This is Unreal. so exciting. Give give well give him that rap sheet. I, I actually I know you make music and you do stuff with movies. And recently your song was featured on the intro Kidding. for Kidding, Jim Carrey's show. Yeah. Someone actually one of the sweets posted they've been watching that a lot. So Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. I, I um, love Jim Carrey. I love Sonic, so that's probably a good combo. <laughs> Sonic <laughs> is an amazing thing we can deep dive into later, but um, I would love nothing more. So I work for a music catalog. Uh, I work for specifically for something called Audioactive. It's a catalog that's represented by Warner. Essentially, I write music that I feel like will get a placement or a sink or a spot or whatever, and I flood the catalog with as much of it as I can, and then eventually something sticks. So that track I wrote for the Jim Carrey thing, I actually had no clue where that was going to go, but I, <laughs> I, I pictured you know, what would something like this sound like, and then it ended up working. But uh, there's been a, a lot of songs I've written for the catalog that just sit there in the void until you know two years later they get up like on a buzzfeed commercial so i am by no means a film score composer but i have done my fair share of buzzfeed how to's number eight will shock you yeah exactly exactly right there that's where your song's plugged in Uh so so what is what is the typical process for you of making your music and getting that inspo Catalog music is a really interesting, it's like a very unique beast. Um, It's not typical (laughs) songwriting. There's a lot of, um, essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it so that a film editor, whether he's working on a Coke commercial or a TV show or a wedding video, I mean, anybody can go buy the song. Um, We're trying to make his job as easy as possible. So we tell the story or what we think the story is going to be. We try to match a mood or base it off something else or kind of, you know, proactively assume what people are going to need and then uh, cross your fingers and wait. Uh, it's it's interesting, though. A lot of um, TV shows nowadays, like mainstream TV shows, are, are scored specifically with catalog music. Um, a good example of that is 13 Reasons Why. It, they they would get placements from up and coming indie bands, and then the majority of the music there they would just buy from catalogs, because people like me will will do like twenty song albums, so that we're essentially scoring a short film and giving them everything they need. Oh it, dang! Yeah, I mean it's a it's a cool place to be, and the industry didn't really exist more than twenty years ago, uh, but now that there's so much content being made, and there's so many you know, guys from failed rock bands like me who just want to keep making music. That <laughs> it's kind of adapted to this 
weird little like subculture of catalog musicians. I don't know. I, I'm rambling now, but yeah, I, I, that's awesome. That, that's sweet. Um, so I have a question for yeah. you. Um, if I could go back and do life again, it'd be a to never quit p- piano or B to be a skater boy and have a girl say, see you later. Boy. <laughs> uh, Those go hand in hand. <laughs> they do. They, they do. do. Um, so with your band that you uh, were in, like what instruments did you play? What was, um, what was that all about? Because when I watched La La Land, I mentioned this on the pod, just the wound of quitting piano was stretched <laughs> open. And I was even looking at piano lessons after that movie. Oh, for sure. No. And my mom my mom told me, she's like, You're, you'll regret quitting piano. And seriously, that's like, what am I regret? Yeah. So my my hat goes off to people that are able to play instruments, well, drums, guitar, quick piano, tidbit. anything like that. I think it's fascinating. Gosling learned how to play piano for that role. That's actually him. I mean, I don't think it's him on the recordings, wow. but he's like essentially lip syncing. Yeah, I think that's amazing. But I quit piano too. I I never learned to read music or anything like that. So I, I hated piano lessons and I deeply regret not sticking it out because it, it would have changed my whole, I would be so much further ahead right now if I would have just stuck out piano lessons. But in a way, you know, it, it, it <laughs> crazy. put me in touch with my band to not do classical training and stuff like that. And um, yeah, but um, my band was... A, I, I, I don't mean to take up all your guys' time with this. I, you got take me rambling about my old rock band. I'm never going to stop. We love it. We love reliving the glory days. If that's anything this pod is for. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it was essentially just me and my high school buddies, well, middle school buddies, wanted to do something. And uh, it, it just kind of, I don't know, we were all musicians on our own. And we played in a garage one day and, but it, it kind of became a precursor for catalog music for me. Cause I would play all the instruments, make a demo, take it to them. We would learn it and then, you know, play it at Lake Ridge junior high talent show. <laughs> hey, <let's go. laughs> so this started in junior high. It started in sixth grade. Um, oh. yeah, we, I, I got a, actually my first kind of like, Oh, I need to be a musician was because of film scores, specifically Pirates of the Caribbean, which we can get in later. That's a oh, good it's score. Unbelievable. So anyway, yeah, that that kind of like shaped a lot of my, you know, hopes and dreams was, you know, falling in love with film scores early on. And then that kind of got channeled into a rock band because what's an 11 year old going to do who wants to score films, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so yeah, um, that's that's basically it. The rest is history. What's what? What was the band's name? <laughs> there were many many band names. Our first band name was Sweater Vest Confidential. Uh, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> by the time we were just a Coldplay ripoff, trying to take it seriously, we were called RKDN, which I think is a terribly cringy name. But we were nineteen, and everybody was like disemboweling their name like like paris had just started but the a was a v with the v and like mgmt <laughs> was really big and so i thought like oh we gotta ditch all the letters our our high school band name was the arcadians like the greeks and then i thought well let's yeah. just make it rkd and so cringy i can't Dude, believe i thought that was I a good think. idea wait when you were okay wait, wait, wait how old are you now 26 
Bro, I think I went to one of your... Cl- Did you ever have, like, a concert somewhere, like, Oh, in yeah, Utah? we would play Valor and Kilby and I'm all pretty that sure I went to one of your shows. Really? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I remember... What, what, this was, what, like, 2012, 2013? Oh, yeah, that was the, that was the heyday. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm 90% sure that that... Yes, that... Amazing. I have Dude, seen Dude, yeah, we used to play with, like, Moth and the Flame and Desert Noises and that whole Provo scene. Whoa, Moth and the they're Flame. They're amazing guys. They're, they're the cream of the crop those guys are unbelievably talented dang and um how long have you been doing uh how long you been doing the music catalog for i started that in 2013 actually i have my band to thank again for that we won a battle of bands of lore when we were we just barely graduated high school it was like my crowning achievement uh the 500 bucks we won did not last us very long but (laughs) we won a free (laughs) recording session at a studio called velvet echo in provo and those guys uh, his name's mike mcclellan and his buddy steve newman i think they're cousins actually they they run an amazing you should get those. They're un- unreal. They they make me look like I'm a six-year-old. Seriously, they're unbelievable. Uh, anyway, uh, Mike knew Brian Hoffheins, who's now my boss, and Brian had Mike doing some music. Mike called me. I kind of built a relationship with Brian, and then that got me into the whole thing. I have no idea why they gave me a job. I, I bought Logic, which is the like production program I use, with the advance from my first project i did my first demos in garage band like <laughs> i did not deserve that job but <laughs> somehow they kept hiring me hey, so. you're, you're still around you're making you're making music <laughs> yeah. baby against it's all on odds, hbo man. i don't know there there are far better musicians than me who deserve to be making catalog music and i think i think that it's I don't know. It's, uh, dude, I'm rambling so much right now because, like I said, I don't get to talk music with bros very much. It's mostly Apex, <laughs> but, um, we, which we'll yeah, get we to. will get to. <laughs> Amazing music in Apex, by the way. Uh, anyway. Yes. Thank you. There, thank <laughs> it's you. really great. Uh, but there's this culture of like, it, they're called bedroom producers. It's essentially what I do. I mean, you just buy the gear. You don't need a studio anymore to make anything. I mean, you can literally buy the toolkit that Hans Zimmer is using for your laptop. And and that's wow. what people are doing now. So I think that it's we're in this renaissance of potential masterpieces coming from the most unexpected places, you know? Dude, it's it's so wow. and the, like the parallels between I mean music and movies a lot of the time kind of go hand in hand like their totally. their Venn diagrams overlap but it's so much the same now for like indie movie making for I mean, sure you can go in we had the um, the Simmer guys on and we won't cool. talk about how much you know how much money that it took them to make their film but I mean to make something that looks great it does you don't need a crew from Hollywood to do it you don't need oh, your own production sure. team like you just need people who are passionate and know somewhat what they're doing and form a group a team and you can make a great movie on a small little budget and 100 I mean, they, they had great success shouts out stefan and nick yeah great come on the pod again but um we, how, how can you tell how can you tell if the music fits and works well with a movie or with a tv show honestly it's or, a gut thing. Or video yeah, games. No, or real, I mean, <laughs> video games are, are right up there with it. I, I would love to work in video games someday because it's such a challenging, the, just a little tiny tangent. Video games create a unique challenge because there's 
really no set narrative even if you're playing something like skyrim you know you make your own story and so you kind of have to predispose the music to fit whereas if i did a short film i would you know watch it through 20 times till i know exactly what needs to go where (laughs) that video game composers i think they're the best of the best because they have to tell a story without knowing what it is um anyway back to what you were saying i think it's a gut thing honestly uh and some people might love certain scores some people might hate certain scores i mean there's formulas around it but all of my favorite scores broke the formula you know there's no real rule anymore i mean when han zimmer started doing like when he did gladiator that was so far out of left field to have like a female lead vocal be the main theme and then you know that was everything you heard for the next 10 years until he did interstellar and now that's everything you hear and I th- yeah, I think in film and TV and video games and stuff, there's just, I don't know, there's a status quo, but there's not really a status, there's no arrangement or anything. I mean, like if you're writing a pop song or if you listen to the Beatles or something, Elvis and Justin Bieber are using the same formula, you know, verse, chorus, verse, mm. chorus, and, but film score, there's, there's so much room to do anything you want to that you can define the rules at any given moment, you know? Yeah. Sorry, that was no, such I, a huge tangent. About no, <laughs> no, dude. That's, who would you say is the goat of oh, like scores, movies, John Williams, you know, composers? He, he wrote the book. John Williams is perfect. I think he's what everybody's trying to emulate. I mean, he's got the track record. Uh, uh, Star Wars, John Williams as a composer. Harry Potter, dang, Jaws. Did he do Jaws? He did Jaws. He did Home Alone. I he did always Home forget. Alone, dude. Harry Potter. If you listen to the Home Alone thing and Harry Potter, they sound almost identical in some moment. In I some gotta aspects. check that out. <laughs> it's weird. They do both use a lot of like chimey bells and yeah. like mischievous kid aesthetic yeah we were watching home alone like this was even a couple years ago and it's still stuck in my head of whoa that sounds just like harry potter <laughs> that's funny okay john williams is great any new up-and-coming composers that you've noticed i know ludwig Göransson has been really yes, big he's um, phenomenal um he actually got his start at one of my favorite uh tv shows he was the assistant on community Oh, I was going to say New Girl because I know he did the music he, for New Girl. He did New Girl too. Um, but yeah, he got his, he was the number two on Community. And then that oh. kind of, he met the, oh, oh, you know what it was? Through Donald Glover, not Donnie, Donald, he, yes. he started doing some childish Gambino stuff, hip hop production. And okay. that's kind of how he got into Black Panther, which really kind of launched him into the stratosphere, I think. I yeah, mean, I think I, he's I don't doing Tenet. Yeah, he is doing Tenet, which is crazy. Uh-huh. Zimmer was booked for, I think it was a, a Disney, like, enormous thing. I, I read somewhere, there's a lot of really niche, like, magazines and, like, blogs about drama within the film scoring world. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I read somewhere that he was the second choice after Zimmer, which is, like, unbelievable he's like a 30 year old swedish guy just killing yeah. it it's so cool who won an um, academy award yeah already exactly i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation on this but uh hilder guanar doter she's oh, mm-hmm. i i don't know how to say her name but she is phenomenal she just did joker um yeah. she's done a bunch of little other kind of art house stuff and some other huge titles um 
she's Icelandic, which is real cool. I think I don't know why, but it just makes it like she's some mysterious like northern fairy who makes Shut the up, best music you, in the world. Is it, isn't Bjork uh, Icelandic too? She is, yeah. Oh, and weirdly queens. enough, monsters and men are Icelandic. There's a there's a great music culture there. No way. Wow. Yeah. Seems very mystical there. I'd love to go there. Totally. There's like folklore is like part Let's, of life there. And you can kind of hear that in Hilder's, I'm not going to say her last name, her music, like when she did the score for Joker, like that theme, she it's just two notes, but it like tells so much just in the expression of the way that it's played. It's so cool. So, um, okay, for take 100, let's reunion Iceland pandemic should be <laughs> yes. over. Let's do it. <laughs> It'll be a live one. Um, Kilder, Bjork, so, and Mo- uh, Mice and Men. What is it? Monsters and Men. Monsters, Monsters and, men. and Men. We'll all get you on the pod and we'll talk music. Fantastic. So I want to ask you a question, Matt. Please. As you're, you know, you're a movie guy, obviously, with the scores and sounds as well. Um, for take 21, all you sweets can go listen to that. The last, like, several minutes we talk about scores and we give our top five. Boy, mine has changed. <laughs> okay. But Kamiko brought up a good point when we were on that podcast. I was re-listening to it uh, just a few days ago. And he said a lot of times there can be an average movie, even a bad movie, that has a great score. Totally. That can really lift up that movie. Um, <laughs> Remember so the Titans. Two that, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, for example, like I think Remember the Titans, like, you know, as we talked about last pod, is... It's a good to be B movie B minus. I think I'm good to yeah. knock it down. It's yeah. it's marinating a little bit more B B minus. I think so. But the soundtrack is great. And again, like Phantom Menace, Star Wars. Oh, some of the like best music average, out there. Average movie, but Duel of the Fates. Oh, unbelievable. Hey, and Money. you know what? And Attack then, of the Clones, which is arguably the worst Star Wars movie and the worst movie of the two thousands, I would say <laughs> uh, i'm right there Whoa. it's in like my bottom 10 percent. oh yeah. yeah same but it has the one of my all-time favorite songs ever is when anakin and padme are in naboo and it's just the most stunningly beautiful music and it's while he's talking to, i don't like sand like it's it's over sand. that scene but it's the best music you've ever heard and no one notices it i don't even notice that there's music going on there because i'm so focused on when he's gonna say sand and it's coarse and yeah. gets totally. everywhere. Totally. I'll have to go uh, rewatch that. Gosh dang. Yeah, Just that you, scene. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway, sorry, Tanner. I cut you off. George Lucas. No, no, no. Uh, so what are some movies that you think that are kind of run-of-the-mill, average, even bad, that have great scores that you can think of off the top of your head? One for me that Kamiko mentioned last time, but this is just one that's close to heart. And Tron Legacy, that soundtrack. Unbelievable soundtrack. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like they brought the grid to the screen. Totally. No, you I know? agree. And so, and I think Tron, I, I recently rewatched Tron just to be like, because I talked about movie fatigue, about movies that we love. And kind of with time, they're like, eh, it's actually not that good. Like, Tron's not a great film, but that soundtrack is phenomenal. Oh, for sure. Like, it is, it is in my top five soundtrack because I still listen to it today. And it's Daft Punk, baby. So, yeah. Off the top of your head, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. What are, what are some films that you think are meh, but have great scores or soundtracks? Well, Real fast, I actually prepared terrible, no, 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 excuse me, terrible scores in great movies. So this is funny that you asked me oh. the inverse. Uh, right off the top of my wow. head, all of Game of Thrones season eight, <laughs> some of the best music that <laughs> that he did and the worst TV ever made. I can call that a movie. It's basically a movie. 
Yeah, uh, each episode's like an hour and 45 minutes long. Exactly. Uh, next up, I would say... Um, oh, man. Bad movie, amazing music. Probably the... the um, Russell Crowe Robin Hood really cool music <laughs> oh, really wow. folky that's a good one I would also say maybe uh, Guy Ritchie's um, Robin Hood as well that's not Robin Hood oh, no 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 well, I'm, King I'm thinking Arthur. King Arthur Legend I'm thinking King sword. Arthur yeah yeah, yeah. pretty rough yeah. movie but yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty cool score that one <laughs> I, I will admit I watched it a few more times than I would like to have watched it because while the narrative's not great and some of it's really cheesy, there's something about that movie that I just really love. It makes me feel like it's, I'm seven it's got again. Charm. Yeah, it's got totally char- Charlie Dunham. Charlie baby. Dunham and yeah. uh, and uh, what's his name? He's Jude, Jude Law. Law. Yeah, Jude Law. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a good score. I agree. Like it, like it moves well in the sound effects. Like when he's running, oh, totally. And King Arthur, and it has. Yeah, I'm gonna throw this one in. I was just, I just. Snap Googled up just like a, a list of movies, and I did not know this. John Williams did the score for Hook, which I no know a lot of people way. like, but maybe it's not a, a great movie. I would call that a cult movie because yeah, it's, okay. yeah. every millennial likes it, but if you were to watch it now, you would probably be like, ah, this is not great. But I, it's I've almost it, turned great, it on and great music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, give it, give us your list then that you prepared of great movies with bad yeah. scores. I'd love to see that. Okay, Hook. great. So, um, first things first. My wife and I, my wife, and I, Maddie and I, watched Mean Girls the other night. Hilarious movie. So, so good. The worst music I've ever heard. It's, uh, uh. so you know the main character, I forget her name, uh, Lindsay Lohan. Katie? Katie. Like- Katie. Yeah, Katie, I think. With, with the C. Maddie would know, but I don't want to yell. She's probably... It's Katie. It is Katie. Um, <laughs> anyway, she's she just moved to the States from like South Africa, and every time Katie's on screen, there's like this weird tribal, like super cheap, like rip-off, like African oh, music. no. And it's just so off-putting. And then, like, I, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, the, the epic over the top 1995 score no matter what the music is like an airplane could be taking off and it's like like it's just so so outrageously over the top it's it's kind of like that for me they they really missed the mark on the music in that um second runner up where the wild things are do you guys remember that from 2008 i haven't seen it I specifically saw that movie because there was an Arcade Fire song in the trailer. And it like I, I heard that it was the first time I heard that Arcade Fire song. Can't remember the name of it, but it goes, uh, you know. It's like that amazing Arcade oh, Fire yeah, song. Yeah. And uh I went and I saw it and the music is so like the entire score is like a really bad indie band got hired to recreate Arcade Fire. Like it's so jangly oh. and like just bad i mean i haven't seen it in forever but i remember it left a really terrible taste in my mouth um third worst music in any movie is troy great movie brad pitt such a cool there's so many cool fights but the music is terrible i wrote in my notes 
uh, it's like the papyrus font of music. Like it's like presets. <laughs> it's poor man's like mystical. Like a nice comic sans. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just like oh, it's just set in Greece. Let's find like some harp sounding two dollar keyboard noises and throw it over a Brad Pitt movie. It just did not work for me. But I like the movie a lot. Huh. I enjoyed I, I enjoy that one too when he's going up against the big dude and he's like really quick and using the speed. He's using like a spear or something, right? Oh yeah, totally. And in one of the Brad fights. Pitt in that is like one of my favorite Brad Pitt roles. Like Jacked. his hair is unreal and like I don't know, it's fun, but the music is rough. Next time you watch that, pay attention. You'll you'll crack up. Okay, one movie that just came to my head that I remember because you were talking about um uh the the band that. Arcade Fire doing a song in Where the Wild Things Are. Do you remember the movie with Tom Cruise called Oblivion? Oh, yeah. Where oh, yeah. M83, I was like, uh-huh. they did the score, and I was like, oh, heck yeah. Dude, I don't remember anything about that movie. I remember there was too much Tom Cruise. Yes. And the song was, I don't remember anything about the music, so I can't say that it was good or bad. I specifically remember a scene when I think Tom Cruise or like Tom Cruise's girlfriend, like somebody gets hurt, and then M83 made me a little mad by going to alt rock. Like there was like acoustic guitar in it all of a sudden or something. Ah. And like, it's a very dystopian movie, lots of weird textures <laughs> and scents. And then all of a sudden it was like a pop song, but, but I, I don't know. It's been ages since I've seen that. I got to see that again. Uh, what was the one with Matt Damon? That's similar to Tom Cruise. It's like, Ed, uh, it's not Edge of Tomorrow. Oh. That's another Tom Cruise. Oh, Elysium. Elysium. That has a great score too. Oh. I'm a big oh, fan okay. of that epic, like neon sci-fi. sci-fi stuff. It's it's cool. I think. Hmm. Yeah. I'm a big. I'm a big. Also, Drive is one of my. Do you have? Okay. Oh, Drive. We'll, we'll do is... this after. Cliff Martinez did Drive the score, and he's great <laughs> in most work he's done. He is uh, Warner Chapel who I write for just got a new CCO and Cliff Martinez is her husband. Oh, yeah. I've never met him or anything, but I'm, uh, I'm a couple emails away. I think not oh. that I would ever email yeah. the guy, but yeah, no, he's, he's a genius. I didn't know this too, but he filled in on drums for red hot chili peppers for a while. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that- well, in a month after email exchange, get him on the pod, and we'll <laughs> you we'll come have, on too. We'll, we'll have, have big- him on. Yeah, yeah. I'll see what I can we'll- do. <laughs> Good luck. So, uh, we we kind of touched on this before, but I want to get your take on this. What is the difference uh, for all the suites between a soundtrack and a score in a movie? Is there a big difference? A soundtrack similar? is largely going to be like music featured in the movie a score would be something specifically bespoke to the thing i can't believe i just said bespoke in a serious way i need to get punched in the face but um (laughs) yeah like uh, a score would be lord of the rings a soundtrack would be yeah hunger games where they got lord to do a feature you know or like black panther where exactly did all exactly for it yeah. yeah, or even like, would Drive be considered a soundtrack? That's a score, I would say. Well, score? it's okay. both because Drive's a really cool example of it, and this is actually something in my notes I wrote about. I, I wrote about Drive because there's this kind of weird little art house genre of movie where they really depend on music for the narrative, and um, everything's intertwined, and it's a, it's a cool. I'm fascinated by the process because it makes the composer have to match the mood and aesthetic and tone of 
like songs that they had nothing to do with. Like that song in Drive, uh, I, I don't know the name of the song. I don't know any of the lyrics, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that like ethereal girl singing. Oh, it's uh, hero. hero. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he builds, like you can't tell a difference between hero and the score. You know, it feels so congruent, dun, like dun, one dun. thing. But uh, there's so much more to the score than just that that motif you know okay that that bring that leads me into a question i had is a lot of people talk about themes and motifs what are those because i feel like i try to explain it and i don't know for sure for sure the theme is well a motif is a small little callback to the theme the theme is the big motif if you will like Lord of the Rings, da, 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 that's the theme. But then, yeah. like, Frodo does anything, and da, 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 that comes on. And that's Frodo's motif, you know? Game of Thrones, Ramin Djawadi does an amazing job of this. Like, every time Sansa Stark gets on there, you hear Sansa's motif. Every time Daenerys is there, even if it's so subtle or really, like, elongated or, you know, in the background or spaced out, you always hear da, da, da whenever Daenerys is on screen. That's a motif. A theme is more of a setting. A motif is more character-based, I think. I'm writing gotcha. that down because I've, I seriously, I have wondered that for so, and I, you know, I feel like a lot of people can, you can kind of learn and differentiate the two, but it's nice to get a concrete. Totally. Idea. Um, what are your top five scores? Oh, or themes? well, I couldn't pick five <laughs> because my problem is, is I have three that I am obsessed with and then I have 50 that I love, you know? So I, I actually, okay, okay so here's perfect. what I did. Take your time. I wrote down my three favorite <laughs> scores. I wrote down my three favorite pieces of sound design and then also my free th- three favorite movies. But anyway, my favorite scores, Whiplash. because like we were talking about earlier, when music ties so deeply into the narrative, there's a really fine line between over the top and cringe and feeling like the main character is writing the music for the movie and subtle storytelling that brings you uh, along, you know, instead of making it like this is a two hour music video, you know, whiplash does an amazing job of using percussion to tell a story without like it's weird they're, they're they have like themes but they're like beats it's it's a really interesting thing yeah. um second favorite <laughs> score is it follows uh, oh so good Whoa. so it follows I don't, tanner you probably have not seen it because i know you're not the horror guy Uh, (laughs) it is well worth a watch but give me give me a rundown so it follows was a big movie for me because it was one i went uh without having any clue what it was it was just a matinee and i was like i'll go and i had no clue what was coming and keeks you know the first scene when she's in a cube at you know she's just like completely dis it like completely ruined my life but it like i was obsessed with it I, i don't know uh, the guy who did the music, his name's Disaster Piece. I don't know his real name. Um, and I, for for the, what I can think, I don't know anything else he's done. Uh, he's just kind of like an indie guy. He did everything in a synth. So it, it, there's no. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the farm on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no organic instruments in it at all. It's all keyboard. 
And it like, it's just so unsettling and it's so unique and there's so much texture in it. It's so, it's so cool. Uh, it was kind of the first like non-traditional film score that really took me off guard. Like I really fell in love with, um, so yeah, it follows disaster piece, best of the best. I'm like doing a little bit of huh. research to see. Yeah, it does not Wait. seem like he's done anything since it follows. He did. Uh, he did Triple Frontier. That was on Netflix. Oh, did he? With Ben <laughs> Affleck and Oscar Isaac. I watched that movie. It's uh, it's actually it's not bad. It's okay. Yeah. Did you watch? I, it well, we yeah. watched about 45 I, I, minutes I, of it. Yeah, look, I like the setup of Triple Frontier. Yeah. Um, okay, Keeks, how many times have you seen it? Follows just once. Three probably three or four times. Wow! Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's so it's, good. It's so, it's one of the creepiest movies, just like in concept, and that's what I like in horror. I don't know about me you, too. Matt, but like, yeah. if the concept is creepy and it makes me think about it more, like jump scares, they, I, I'm freaked out in the movie, but not much after. Right. But I mean, movies like Get Out, dude. I still I've had nightmares about Get Out, and I saw that three four years ago. Oh. Totally, man. Totally. That that's what I love so much about that genre. I mean, because the thing is, is action, drama, comedy. There's really two or three stories, but in horror, I feel like you can really do something fresh. Because I don't know. There's just there's so many things that are so creepy that nobody wants to talk about. And if somebody mans up and tells a story about it, like I don't know, it follows. Like, who thought of that? Like, who thought of the rule? Like, if you're in a room, you need to make sure you have two exits. Like, like creepy stuff. Like, I still, when I go in a room, I make sure that there's like a window I can jump out in case I get followed. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's serious. It's just like there's so many scenes and just like, like just scenes in that movie that freak me out. Like the big dude going through the doorway. Oh man, Mm-mm. no. The, the 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 grandpa on the roof. I still am haunted by that scene. It's, oh, and actually that's kind of the jump scare I like where it's not like a boo. It's like, uh, you notice something in the background that's off and then that mm-hmm. makes you jump. You know, hereditary is the king of that. There's, oh gosh, yeah. dude, that's another one that I, another, I, I decently enjoy the, I feel like horror generally has pretty decent scores now i'm thinking about i think like so the too. good horror movies do. yeah hereditary was the worst movie theater experience <laughs> of my life <laughs> tell me tell me more about it <laughs> i just remember there was about 30 minutes left and kamiko leans over because he saw it at sunday oh cool and he leans over and he grabs me he's like strap up it's about to get real <laughs> and i just like shrivel in my chair and i'm like great yeah thanks Keeks. no the last 30 minutes of hereditary are arguably the most intense movie experience ever it's I st- it's terrifying and it ends on I the word like that closing scene makes me sick to my stomach but i love it oh, oh the tree, the tree house? house and oh, that's actually an interesting weird. thing with the music is like you know it seems like a terrible traumatic disaster like <laughs> i don't want to spoil anything spoiler alert there's a decapitated daughter uh, everybody's dead. The mom just chopped her head off with a piano wire. Oh. Uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> and then the closing song in the whole movie is like a really delicate flute arrangement. It's like a celebration. Yeah. It's like it's like peaceful. It's it's so freaky. Yeah, I I love um, horror scores because they're so like well, just that they're so 
untraditional. There's so many non-traditional, untraditional, non-traditional? off the wall. Because <laughs> yeah. you you can really break any rule i mean i don't know music that's unsettling like the witch is a great example of that too oh, like gosh. the violin there's no melody it's so atonal it's just plucks you know randomly and it feels so wrong but it tells the story perfectly i think have you seen the instrument that they use now to like create those weird horror sounds yes well i i'm gonna send you guys a link after are you talking about that french instrument where like they like lightly tap on it and it like creates its own reverb and it like takes a whole room i think it's so weird it looks just like a plank with just like random like doodads on it oh you're thinking of that okay i know what you're talking about it looks like a dulcimer it's like really like folky and weird yeah i'm thinking of something totally different i'm gonna send you guys that there i found it on reddit this film score composer he made up an instrument that like recreates like that han zimmer horn thing but it's like so weird but once you hear it you're like oh i've heard that in every film score for the last 10 years (laughs) (laughs) oh that's and uh, uh gosh actually to go back to the um just to add on to the hereditary thing when I saw it at Sundance, I, I, I drove an hour and a half and sat there alone and had to make that drive back home, and it was horrible. Oh, my gosh. Well, and you know it's filmed yeah, in Park City. <laughs> hmm? It's filmed in Park City. Yeah. So, oh, uh, dude, I used yeah, to play soccer at one of the complexes in totally. the background of one of the scenes. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah, the, the scene that really got me was the shot of the cemetery in Draper. And it's oh, that mountain that, that we've driven past every single day. For <laughs> It's oh, so yeah. unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, I'm sorry. That was a huge tangent. Uh, I could talk about horror movies all day long. My third favorite score of all time is Pirates 1, Hans Zimmer. It's so good. It's so good. It like, I mean, I was probably the exact target audience they were going after, nerdy adolescent who wanted nothing more than to be Will Turner. And but the, Still but, do. No, still do, yeah. yeah. But the the music in that is like it's so fun and so recognizable, and it instantly puts you in you know sixteen hundreds pirate territory. But if you pay, Maddie and I watched Pirates. I don't know a couple months ago. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and well, like I don't know five six years since then, I've learned a lot more about music, and then you're starting to notice that like these arrangements are unbelievably difficult. Like it's like some serious seriously like prolific stuff that you would expect from like a Beethoven arrangement, but he packages it in such like a fun fantasy feeling adventure bound way. It's, it's so good. I don't know Th- that to me proves Hans Zimmer is the best of the best. I think. Yeah. And kind of a fun little movie morsel yeah. actually is uh, Hans Zimmer did The Rock. Have you seen The Rock with Sean Connery? No. And Nick, Nicolas it's Cage? It's about Alcatraz, right? Yes. It has the same theme, like same music that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean has. No, really? Yes. Like, I'll have to send you the theme. It sounds beat for beat the same. And obviously, it was Hans Zimmer that was involved with The Rock. Yeah. And, all, and then Pirates of the Caribbean. He ripped himself off. No that way! Sneaky, like sneaky, <laughs> genius. Yeah. Like I'm dead. I'm dead serious. Like I will send you this. Like I remember watching The Rock for the first time. I was like, this sounds just like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you got to send me that. Maybe he was ahead of the curve yeah. and he was like doing like the MCU 
like way before. <laughs> like maybe The Rock and Pirates are set in the same universe just 400 years apart. Yeah, exactly. I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I can see it. <laughs> Jack Sparrow's, you know, Nicolas Cage's character is easily an offspring of Jack Sparrow. I, 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 I see the vision. I haven't seen The Rock, so I can't, uh, I can't say. Yeah, you should watch, you should watch it. It's, it's a good fun. action yeah, movie. It's and, very fun. And, and it's, it's composed, like the score in that movie is actually done really well. Like you would cool. enjoy it. That's, that's a movie I recommend. To piggyback on this Hans Zimmer controversy, he is a very, uh, polarizing figure in the film score niche world uh, of magazines and articles that people like me read because he has kind of like, well, he's so good that anybody who wants to talk negatively about him is obviously jealous of the fact that he's a, you know, multimillionaire from just making music, but he has this label where he'll kind of like poach really incredible musicians. I actually think Ludwig was, one of his guys at one point. Um, but he'll go to like USC and Berkeley and grab composers and have them essentially do uncredited work. But oh. you get to work next to Hans Zimmer. So you're set, but there's stories about like 20 hour days in the studio where he, they're essentially wow. writing the music and they the only thing they get is a recommendation from Zimmer to a director in five years. But it's kind of worth it. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like I think Hans Zimmer's a great guy, and I think if you're scoring, you know, fifty movies a year with your label, there's you know, it's gonna be demanding. And of course these people are paid, but like yeah, he gets a little bit of hate. But I am here to say I don't think he deserves the hate. He's just a really smart man who turned it into a business. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. what it is. It's like you said, people are just, you beat him to the punch. Exactly. You know? Exactly. He's essentially doing, he's essentially making his own catalog. You know, he's got his guys who can <coughs> jump in at any minute and write a film score in three weeks. I mean, it's amazing. Anyway. What would you, have you been approached to do a film score? Um, no, I have approached f- directors. I did my first short film a little while ago. A uh, guy named Everett Fitch directed it. It's called Grief in the America West. Um, it's really cool. It's very uh, indie art house. I love it. It's 12 minutes long. He was kind enough to say, just go for it. So I really had a lot of fun with that one. I'll send you guys the link um, to that. Oh, yeah, I was do. just going to say, well, I, I want to post about it. Or we'll post about it. If oh, there's any way to do that. Would would that be one of your goals? That is you the know, goal to do a compose. Is that like that's, the goal? That's the career goal. I mean, um, yeah, uh, it's dude. That's the life. I mean, if I what I'm yeah. trying to do, I'm trying to be 60 and live in a house on a lake and have a beautiful studio in my basement and do a film a year and just take my time and really like I don't know enjoy the art form of it. Hopefully, hopefully um, that's at, where I'll end up. SFT Productions will be in contact with you ASAP. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on something. I, I have heard this. I hope that I don't. You can probably confirm this is true or not. But a lot of the times when you know composers are making the themes to movies and stuff, they will have seen the poster of the movie out and still haven't done the music for it. Yeah, is that true? For sure, because to excuse me, I had a hiccup. Um, oh man, I should not have been drinking Diet Coke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> to do the music, you have to essentially wait for the final cut, 
and uh, I'm sure you guys know that can be, you know, dragged out really far until, sure. you know, weeks or months before release date. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty common practice that a film score composer will write to the script and try and like mm. come up with an aesthetic and they'll meet with the cre- like the art director and stuff and try yeah. to match a mood. But the final cut of the music is probably recorded very last as far as I know. I mean, it depends on how custom the music is to the movie, but like something like game of Thrones, for instance, I mean, I'm just obsessed with that guy, but th- that, yeah, that's, that's very last. Cause you gotta, I mean, think about it this way. You have to wait for the, story to be told you have to match the music to every cue and then you have to get an orchestra or a symphony even you have to get 50 people in a room and play it through i mean there's so many moving parts that yeah i think i think for the most part it's last thing done oh makes makes sense yeah interesting um all right are we ready for top three movies? Oh, wait. I want to talk about my favorite sound oh, yeah. design. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, we want to talk about sound effects yes. as well. Okay, so first off, yes. my thing with sound design, I mean, it, it, more and more now we're seeing film score and sound design kind of cross over into each other. Um, Blade Runner is a great example of that, and I know we were going to talk about that a little later because I'm obsessed with it. Oh, that's that score! It's unbelievable. Um, the synth, even even the first Blade Runner. Oh no, it's it's yeah. uh, it's unreal. Actually, let's just talk about Blade Runner right now. <laughs> okay, perfect. Let's do yeah, it, please. So, um, <laughs> the guys who did it, like the two main sound designers, they watched the original Blade Runner like 50 times, and they wow. they like like learned like this language of you know what. Sound, what sonics you would get in dystopian LA and um, they kind of applied it in but what they did which I thought was really cool is like the sound effects you're going to get in Star Wars they're they're all digital you know mm-hmm. they're all synth but with Blade Runner they used a ton of <coughs> organic acoustic sounds they would play a synth but then they would reamp it they, they would put speakers into a huge room where they would typically track like an orchestra and then they would set mics up around the room and then play the sound back so that you get the natural tone of the room and you get the real reverb so it feels like you're hearing it there another thing they did too is the um the spinners the flying cars they used a I think it's a Scandinavian instrument. It's called a bull roarer. It's a horn on the end of a chain and you like swing it around your head like a lasso and it creates like this really weird sound. And they used that obviously with some tweaks for the flying car, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And then his gunshot, um, Ryan Gosling's gunshot is a 50 cal that they EQ'd all of the low end out of it. And then they added a hip hop, 808 bass under it so that it's tonal and it sounds kind of like a laser you know no way the the thing i love so much about it is the sound design in blade runner is it's almost like the sound design is the score because there's so much drone and there's so much like grit and filth and dust in the sound design and the score that it's really easy to get lost between you know la sirens and 
the scent that sweeps you off your feet when you, you know you're it, it's really interesting stuff i, I don't know I, I love the way they approach that it's really cool there's a bunch of um sounds that you just would never expect to find in a sci-fi flick just everywhere yeah we we mentioned this before that film was very underappreciated in the theater very underappreciated and you know what they did too they mastered it like 2 db higher than everything else so that no matter what it would vibrate your chair when when they get that yeah. low frequency drone like it's they they it's so creative the way that they approached the everything in that movie like that theater experience seeing blade runner opening night was a cool cool i wish i could have done uh, that a few months before that uh kamiko and i watched the first blade runner cool and i was kind of like uh and I, I, I personally like Blade Runner twenty forty nine more than the first Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, me too. And I can understand why people like the first. Like my dad loves the first Blade Runner. Like that's one of his favorite films. Yeah. And so he was super hyped about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He was actually even like texting me saying, "Hey, have you seen this movie yet? I'm going." <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and he's like, he got me like a ticket and everything. I'm like, oh, I'm actually going with some friends. I'm super sorry. He's like, oh, okay, no sweat. <laughs> Uh, but I asked him after the movie, and I was like, "What do you think about Blade Runner twenty forty nine? He's like, "He's like best sequel ever made." Cool. And it's almost it is a sequel, but it's almost kind of not a sequel. Yeah, it's standalone in a way. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Has that vibe for sure? It, I, it's kind of like, like Xenon the sequel. <laughs> I think you could the almost sequel. say that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is the Godfather Part two of sci fi movies. Yes, I have uh, not seen the Godfather, so I can't vouch, but. Uh, I, we'll watch it. We watched Good. Goodfellas because of your favorite food scene with the razor blade and the garlic. Oh. And Goodfellas quickly became one of my favorite. Okay, anyway, back to sound design. Um, yeah, a, a buddy of mine I used to work with um, worked for Alcon, who kind of like oversaw the sound design stuff. So so he kind of walked me through some of the stuff they did at, at firsthand, and it was like the craziest craziest stuff um you should see the board they mixed it on they mixed it in a movie theater and this board is like this mixing board is like 50 yards wide and there's like three people on it like it's it's unbelievable it's the coolest thing i'll send you guys some photos and you can throw them on the story for for the sweets please um okay anyway my personal favorite sound design aside from blade runner Boba Fett's bombs in Attack of the Clones. Oh, yes. Worst Star Wars, best sound design ever, where it's silent for a second, and then it goes... It's the coolest thing in the world. I I get chills just talking about it. I had that on my list. I remember the first time I heard that and being completely awestruck. It was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, Okay, number two. Quick follow-up to that, and I know this is a polarizing topic, but The Last Jedi... I thought the fact that Ryan Johnson went completely silent when the the missile cruiser goes was the most ballsy move you could have made in sound design because I saw Last Jedi like four times in theaters. Every single time there was an audible gasp from the audience. It was like breathtaking. And I thought like to choose to go like no sound is so... Like who thought of it? It's genius. It's so it's so cool. I think so. Yeah, that's true. my second favorite because, sound effect is silence. Because because oh. you think light speed, you'll you'll have that right kind of noise. Well, and every like, other major event like that in Star Wars has like a huge like even thinking um, in Rise of Skywalker when uh, 
Palpatine does the whole laser fingers thing i'm not even going to call it lightning because it doesn't deserve it but um there's like that it's like they tried to recreate it you remember that huge drone that hits the theater yes and and it was like oh you were trying to copy ryan johnson's like gasp moment and it just didn't work so i don't know i thought that anyway uh that's a good one third inception how things get progressively slower the deeper you go score oh, sound yeah, effect yeah. everything feels dreamy i just think that's phenomenal it's just genius tc do you have a list do you have some that you some sound design you 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 go Keith. okay so mine is not mine is not as cool as these sweet sweet movie morsel <laughs> the do you know what the t-rex like growl is in uh, no. jurassic park i don't they it is the sound that a turtle makes when it's climaxing and they, <laughs> they remastered it. I'm like 99% sure, but that is the Jurassic, the T-Rex like yell in Jurassic park. That's incredible. So I have that on my list just purely based on the fact that it is eternal climaxing. Well, think about the process. Think about how are we going to recreate yeah. a reptilian freak out? And they're like, Oh, let's just grab a reptile. <laughs> that, yeah, that's really cool. It. Have you seen the video of the turtle going? Ah! Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same thing, but um, another one that, that is I a have sweet that I think is, had no idea. Anytime you watch a movie and you hear this, it's going to be a banger of a movie, and that is the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm scream. Oh yeah. I think it's like in some sort of like mute. I don't know if it's been retired from movies, but it's in some sort of like Hall of Fame now yeah, because of it. For sure. For sure. Maddie was talking about that and we like did some wikipedia deep dive on the history of it and i think it comes from like an old western or something yeah. it, oh it's it, in star wars indiana yeah. jones hundreds the, of movies it's so cool i love i love that it, it's it's kind of interesting to see how many sound design studios are using the same sound effects i mean some of them are kind of like an ode to like the classics like the wilhelm scream but like if you notice any laughing child any boat any car revving, <laughs> it's all the same sound effects uh, across the board. Everybody's using the same sound yeah. effects. It's weird. That would make sense. I mean, honestly, anytime I hear the Wilhelm scream, I'm like, what is that called? And yeah. I've had that happen so many times that now I know what it's called. Yeah, but you know you're in good hands. You know that they know what they're doing if there's a Wilhelm scream. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. Another one that I love is the alien, like the sound of the aliens in Arrival, where it's like got the horns yeah. and... Oh, that is a great, that is a great one. It's, that's a, that's so unexpected. You, you, you're thinking it's going to be like alien versus predator, but it's very not. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, Denny, of course. I mean, that dude's five for five in movies. He's made dude is Dune is going to be my Dune's going to be real. Cannot wait. Um, don't get postponed. Keep no, I, I doubt it does. I think it's right there in December. Um, another one is Wolverine's claws. You always oh, saw it in, yeah. the movie, in the comics of just the snick and how they made it come to life in the movies is so sweet. Totally. That's a great yeah. point. And, and even more so the, 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 the sound they make when they hit together. Yeah. It's so unique. Oh, it's like, it's a good one. Different than any other like impact. I don't know. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I got to give props to uh, Cyclops. I think that's a cool sound design. The just the lasers coming out of the yes. eyes. Oh yeah, definitely. Anything yeah. with lasers. I'm, 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 that, yeah, I know, right? Um, one, it's a given. Obviously, the lightsaber. I was just gonna say iconic. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the just, best. 
and then Darth Darth Vader breathing. Oh, um, oh I love when I recently watched Tron. The best part of that movie, in my opinion, is the racing and even the disc yeah. wars. I love the sound effects with that. Um, and this is kind of a little small detail, but in Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship of the Ring, when Bilbo is walking out the door and Gandalf's like, "You forgot something." And Bilbo slides the ring off, and it's just a ring, and you think it would bounce up, but it just hits, and they had to like add a magnet or something like that, or weight. That's amazing. And I just love that sound, because right then in that moment, you feel the weight of the ring. Totally. And oh, what it has. And dang, it, and it, and it like see? zooms in on the ring, and wow. I just thought, like the way it falls down on the floor is super interesting, and it has that sound of like, this ring has a lot of weight. That is a great observation and a so, wonderful example of how sound really tells the story. Yeah. That's a like gr- that's that, cool. Right. I gotta watch that now. That's okay. Amazing. We see you yeah. dude. that. Wow. Let's that, go. That wins. That's uh, best sound effects. <laughs> oh yeah. So, and it sounds like a weight dropping almost. It's, it's like clunky. And, yeah. Yeah. So wow. I remember like when I first watched it, I was like that, that, that slid off weird. And I think they have, if I remember correctly, behind the scenes in the documentary making Lord of the Rings, they're like, yeah, we wanted to make this seem like it was a lot of weight. We just didn't want to have it just hit the floor and bounce around. So That's cool. That's, watching that's cool. those interviews of behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings kill me. Oh, the making of that movie, if they had just hours of just a compiled movie of behind the scenes of that, I'd watch totally. it. Totally. If that if that was released in theaters, the whole documentary, like HD, oh, and whatnot, I'm, I'm there. That in. would be unbelievable. Matt, Maddie's the, been I mean, I, watching I, the extended editions on repeat for the last month, and <laughs> I'm not mad about it. it. It's amazing, but but we should dive into the behind the scenes because that man, it really makes me so sad about the Hobbit because the the original trilogy that i mean they're just oh. some of the best movies ever made i mean mm-hmm. fellowship came out 19 years ago 2000 yeah yeah, yeah. like they started filming 1999 it's, it's insane how good it looks like the orcs are still so terrifying and yeah. then the hobbit with better technology is terrible Aged horribly it's it's the cgi the green screen is over the it's top. already even outdated ian yeah, it's already outdated yeah, e- it's insane even ian mckellen was just crying in one scene because he's in a green screen by himself he's like i didn't i didn't think you'd come to this that's so sad oh. it's terrible oh Ugh, my god the hobbit that's a sore spot yeah. so great sound effects yeah Dang. great sound design so important in film and I love just um, watching how they'll make you know you'll see like the behind the scenes of how they make the sounds they'll be like in a room and like hammering a pillow to make yeah. a certain noise and Foley effects are the coolest thing in the world and yeah. we have to close the sound design thing on the coconuts from Monty Python and the Holy Grail it, it's <laughs> it's the best joke it's such a weird thing that they did who who knows why they did it but I love that they had to do Foley production for coconuts by using coconuts i just think that's the best thing in the world <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> you know what's also interesting is uh i think it was cloudy with a chance of meatball meatballs have a have a good like sound design in the background of kind of the sounds that they made for the film it's interesting you love it's that movie. How, like these little no that's i I've n- i don't think i've ever seen that movie you haven't seen you've it? never seen uh, that was one no. of your favorite no. scenes 
Oh, that was me. No, that, that was, was me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Never yeah. mind. The, the pancake. The pancake. Oh. Oh. The pancake sounds great right now. Just the pancake too big. does sound great. I hop after. I'll fly out. I'll buy the first yeah, ticket. There. It's probably really cheap right now. <laughs> Guys, I apologize for all of my really really long tangents i just do not really i'm having such a wonderful time with you guys now i want to i want to touch on something before we wrap up i think we're kind of at the tail end here um we mentioned video games and scores i know you and kamiko of course and i as well and even all the sweets i love halo oh halo 3 (laughs) is the greatest halo ever made and that was that that was if there's a video game movie i can make it would be florence Pugh. As Cortana yeah. and Tom Hardy as Master oh, Chief. Tom Hardy as yeah. Master Chief. I can't believe I've never yeah. seen that. John 117. Yeah. We made a poster yes, for it. John 117. It's coming out. The I saw I saw a meme yesterday that said uh, my life was so much better in high school, and then somebody said, No, it wasn't. That you're just making that up. He says, I was in high school when Halo 3 came out. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I actually really liked about Halo in the franchise is each Halo has a different you know, um, is it would it be considered a score or soundtrack? I would call it a score, and it, they each yeah, have a different okay, theme. It goes piano, really dirty guitar, and then yes. opera, <laughs> like the finish the fight theme yeah. oh, with the piano. My gosh, Woo. that is an so, amazing song. One thing I actually like. This is a really hot take here. Is Halo Three ODST? Yes, that score might be the best Halo score. The the vibes it creates yep. for being in the streets as a jump uh, was it a hell jumper is what they call them yes I, I don't know if you played the oh, game oh Matt, yeah I played ODST for sure the, the, the Halo Three ODST score is phenomenal Neon Knight if you haven't listened to that for I a while check that out again. go listen to Neon <laughs> they do it create is, a very dystopian feeling like oh yes, Earth just got it does exploded by aliens I, I love that and you know what another Halo and it creates that eerie kind of just halo music is so good uh what's so anyway what were you saying uh what is the it's not odst it's the one where you're oh it's reach the closing scene in reach where it's objective survive and it's the pulsing music it's that is some intense intense cutscene music right before yeah yeah Yeah. i mean halo is ahead of its time martin o'donnell wow yeah halo is I'm a PS4 guy through and through, but Halo is like the the remastered thing almost made me go buy an Xbox because it's yeah. too good. It's not too late. It's not too no, late. I know. <laughs> Halo 3 was my bachelor party. Oh, We played yes. for eight hours, nine hours. Amazing. Yeah. We played from we had a six, six to like three in the morning. Six. That's amazing. Land party. Oh my god! I'm sorry, I didn't know you too well back then. But now, if there, if I, if I have my bachelor party, you're welcome. Please. Next no, time, I there insist, is a bachelor, actually. If there's even if there's a Halo party, you're there. The <laughs> the thing about Halo is, and I know this isn't a video game podcast, but there has never been an accomplishment I was more proud of than my first Overkill. Like even oh. now with like Apex Legends, <laughs> like. Like it, like you, you get a couple kills and you're like on top of the world and it's so much fun. But the halo overkill with the announcer's voice was the best moment of your adolescent life. It was just amazing. And you see that orange emblem with four green stars (laughs) and you're like, I just got an overkill baby. No. Yeah. And and I probably ever got two ever, but like, man, that was just the, that was the The, best. Now, can I add to that? 
the best with the overkill that is a little just little supplemental income, a little supplemental extra credit, whatever you want to say, is when you get an extermination. Yes. What? When you wipe out the whole team. <laughs> yeah. I, I was did not really know that was good a thing. I was never to, that good. To hear that. Yeah, but. So at overkill, when you're playing four versus four Slayer and you wipe out the whole team overkill and then I'll add to it and say extermination and it is just like yeah, stop just that amazing the whole team sit down <laughs> hey speaking of great sound design the guns in halo the needler had one oh. of the best like it was just so eerie <laughs> and i love the plasma the plasma pistol the plasma oh yes and it would like vibrate in your oh man that yes. was that was some great sound design yeah, man, you're man. The appreciation for sound design and film and 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 video games, it's like it's through the roof right now. Well, Matt, God bless dude. you. Thank you. Well, yes. okay, I'm so sorry. I have to talk about one more Apex Legends. Keith, yes. I know maybe not so much your scene, but the Kraber from the the sniper from the care wow. package that has the most punchy sound effect ever. <laughs> anyway, my <laughs> fellow legends like, will know what I'm talking about. I also wanted to add, Maddie and I were watching. Uh, what were we watching? Oh, we were watching Onward in preparation for Brad Broadcast Sweet Film Talk episode. And we had never realized this before, but in animated films, you have to build the entire world of sounds from the ground up. Where in a, in a normal movie, I mean, you're getting ambience and dialogue and field recordings from acting, but you have to literally build an entire world of sound from scratch in any animated movie. And I think that that is a very underappreciated art form. Because, like, the text, like, the, the wildlife in Onward, it's like fantasy and oh, real. Yeah, and like they the, had the to make it. Dog. Yeah, like, like, they made that up. It's, it's the, I, I don't know. Animation and sound, it's like too much for me because there's so much depth to it. Anyway, something to think yeah. about. Yeah, no animation like they go the extra mile. Yeah, jeez, that's a good point. Cool, um, Matt. We want to know. I don't know if you have it. Do you have your top five favorite movies? Just in general, I couldn't do top five. Three? I did three just because I couldn't okay. pick. Uh, number one, Interstellar. Oh, wait, three. No, you start with three. Start with three. Start with start three. three. Start with three. No one heard of that. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the here's the reality. I don't really have. A number one, a number, a number two, one. a number three. They're yeah, kind of a, perfect. they're kind of a little sandwich of my favorites. So Interstellar is like, it's such an artistic movie and it's so beautiful, but it's also nice and mainstream. And I like when you can, I like Nolan's a genius with this. He just makes like I don't know when people say their favorite movie is Citizen Kane, but they hate Inception. I'm like Inception's just as good. Let's be real. That's so stupid. Yeah. Anyone that comes out saying, oh, Citizen Kane, it's so no. stupid. Here's my really, really unpopular opinion. It. I will very rarely watch a movie older than 20 years old. I have a really hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Bad production value makes me angry. I hate it. It's just terrible. <laughs> like any movie from the 80s other than Alien, and I think that was 78, actually. Any mm-hmm. movie from 80 to 99 count me out i i i will want wow. no part in it dude i okay so i have recently in a very very down time at work i went through every mo- movie that has released since 1940 until last year wow. and i have re-ranked them 
every movie I've seen. <laughs> put that about on the internet. Thousand... What? <laughs> you got to put that on the internet. Dude, that is right? too much work to not be seen. <laughs> That's what I'm I saying. put director, year it came out, grade, and name. Wow. And between 2000 and 2020, it's probably 700, 750 movies. Uh-huh. Everything since is only like two. There's only like 80 that I've seen in the 80s. Right. But like Alien... Oh, but like almost every movie that I've seen from that time are like the best of the best. For, exactly. So it's like Alien, exactly. Predator, Terminator, Terminator 2. And um, that calls yeah, exactly club. back to what you were saying earlier. Like it doesn't take as much anymore to make a masterpiece. Like, Mm-mm. like, yeah, okay. This is going to get some hate, I think. But I would argue. Like what you like, hate what you hate. Those movies in the 80s, like Alien, exactly. for existence is not nearly as good as Prometheus. Same crew, same everything. Prometheus Bro. is better because it's, oh my I don't God. know, it's just better. There's The production value is better. The acting is better. The cinematography is better. And I I see the hatred boiling in both of your guys' faces. But oh, I'm just surprised. I, I love just, it. I don't know, man. Old movies were not as good. They just weren't made as good. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think what's... I think what's so jarring with me for a lot of old movies, especially with special effects, is it's just like, okay, that's claymation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's not mo- you know, but like and the thing yeah. is, to I am probably the least nostalgic person alive. I I don't have like any <laughs> attachments to my childhood, and maybe that's weird. But I, if anything, I feel free <laughs> because I don't have to watch terrible movies just because I was You're seven. So <laughs> oh, you're so old. I just can't. Prometheus better than Alien. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, that's, I don't mind uh, you Prometheus saying Prometheus got I, pretty that's terrible okay. Rotten Tomato score, if I'm not mistaken. But I my, love Prometheus. My brother loved that movie. So good. I like Prometheus, Prometheus a lot. I hate Alien Covenant. I think it's horrible. Oh, Alien Covenant. I remember watching that with yeah, you. Yeah, it I was. was like, when, can we go? It, can we leave? Or everything <laughs> cool that Prometheus sets up, it just like. Totally. Doesn't do anything with. Danny McBride was the wrong choice. It, I, it, he it, I like him something. a lot, but I I did not like him in that. I also, no. the, uh, you know what? It, the only thing worse than that was uh, Predator. Predator sucked. Did you guys see that? Wait, what? Oh, never saw that. The shame. The recent the, shame. Oh yeah. gosh, I thought you said Predator, and I was like, no, whoa, not the OG. The, the the remake. The new was one. Terrible. Yeah, I heard the new ones. Yeah. bad. Yeah. Whoa. Which but is anyway. a bummer because Shane Black is really talented. The Nice Guys is like one of the best movies of the 2010s. Nice Guys is so good. I, <laughs> oh, it's classic. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, oh, 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 oh! I was thinking about other guys. Nice Guys is um, is uh, the the Ryan the Gosling. One, yes, Russell also an amazing movie. Russell Crowe's yes. awesome in that. Um, other guys is my also favorite great. movie. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Sorry for that. Another okay, number, tangent. Number you guys get me on so many tangents. Okay. Two Towers. I mean, so oh. good. So good. I think for Whoa. me, Helm's Deep was like a redefinition of what a battle scene could be. I still have dreams about the night before Helm's Deep where I'm a soldier mm-hmm. and I'm still right? like nothing they made it so emotional and and the whole theoden arc and how it all comes to helms deep and the elves show up and aragorn like comes to his own like the storytelling and obviously uh tolkien wrote it a million years ago but the way that the movie (laughs) told the story was 
perfect. I think it was perfect. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And the music in that, Here, too. I mean, the, the Rohan fiddle, da 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 I da, love da, that. Da. It's so my favorite good. piece of music, I think, in any movie. Me, too. Is that too. the one where it's like, da 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 Yeah. The solo violin. It's so, so perfect. I almost just cursed just barely when you when you started doing that. No, it's amazing. Howard Shore is so good. I don't know. He did some weird movies after that. Like he did like arguably the greatest score of all time. The epic that is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I would say it is the greatest score of all time. And that's coming. Star Wars is like my second favorite movie. Me too. I I would say John Williams is a better composer, but I would Mm -hmm. say Howard Shore wrote the best film score ever. It's you feel like you're in middle. You do. I mean, going from the Hobbiton theme to Gondor to I mean and the way that he interle oh my gosh I, I have to just hum it because it's so good but the way that he goes da 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 and they go from Hobbit to Gondor like it's crazy the way that he like told Tolkien's story through music was unprecedented I I don't think anyone else could have done that. I'm actually not yeah. gonna lie. Um, most of his movies are pretty like, yeah. Howard Shore. I mean, he did Mrs. Doubtfire, and Th- like, that's right. Yeah, he did some really yeah, obscure. So he's done ones. weird, like out of you know. He did Science of the Lambs, Seven, that's right. Spotlight, which is a great score. I actually never um, saw Spotlight. The Departed. Oh, it's Departed. Dude, Spotlight is so good. He did The Departed. The Departed. The Departed. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Had no idea. The fly. That joke twice, I think I, really I think laugh. Helm's Deep is the best battle scene. Here's how I, here I, here's, how I, here's how I sum up Lord of the Rings trilogy real quick. The Fellowship of the Ring is the best movie out of the, yes. out, of the out of three, in my opinion. Yes, yeah. because it has the whole Fellowship together. Helm's Deep is the best battle scene, the best siege battle ever made, ever put onto film, and the third movie return of the king has the best scene when aragorn is king on top of Minas Tirith, and he says you bow to no my one. friends Tears. yeah no it's incredible it's incredible Tears. i love to i love the scene right after when they go when they're back at the shire and sam is asking out rosie cotton oh, and yes pippin and mary and frodo are just looking at each other and like nobody realizes that they just saved the world and like the dude's yeah. like, hey, watch out for my pumpkin. It's like, dude, I just <laughs> literally destroyed evil. Like, I think you're good for a second. But like, yeah, I, no, I love that. It's just, it's amazing. Return of the King. I just have a soft spot for Two Towers. And I know I just said I'm not nostalgic, but something about Helm's Deep makes that movie what it makes that top three all time for me. Just so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in closing, Hereditary. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Ari Aster told a story that nobody else has ever told. He made the most unsettling cinematography you've ever seen. The opening sequence where he's panning into the model home is maybe the scariest part of the whole movie because you have no idea what's coming. So my hereditary experience probably plays into why I love it so much. My my wife, you guys know Maddie. Why do I keep saying that? (laughs) Maddie and I went to Paris. It was my first time going to Paris. I was like so thrilled about it. And I saw these posters all over the Metro for hereditary there. I don't know this makes me sound like a pretentious douchebag, but like (laughs) it it was like in French and it was like this weird, it was like the, it was Charlie, the girl was on the cover and it was the dead bird. And I was like, like so intrigued by it. And I thought it was a French movie and I'd never heard anything about it before. It was kind of my, like I liked it 
the whole A24 thing, uh, quick meme. Did you see that one where some guy tweeted, uh, bros start calling movies films after they see their first A24 flick? (laughs) 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 But anyway, um, uh, The Witch was like, I I can relate. uh, The Witch kind of got me like really invested in this whole art house horror thing. And then hereditary i was like kind of bummed because like i don't speak french and there's no way i'm talking maddie into a foreign horror flick while we're in paris so we fly home uh the way we travel there's usually like 18 layovers because we're trying to deal hop so i'm like unbelievably jet lagged i haven't slept in 36 hours we were in between apartments we were living at maddie's parents house and i just needed a little mat time so i went to the megaplex in lehigh and they were playing hereditary and I was like, no oh. way, this is perfect. So I didn't know anything about it. And I went, I was alone in the entire theater, completely jet lagged <laughs> no. and just off my rocker. And, <laughs> oh, you know what? I remember too, Maddie came too, but we were we went and saw separate movies. She saw Incredibles 2, so she could have a little Maddie time. And I saw Hereditary. And the polar opposite end no, of I know. I left the movie five times during and, and I was like, I can't continue to watch this. And then I would stand in the little aisle and watch it from a distance and like get my courage up and go sit back in my middle seat with nobody else in the theater. And then, and then the piano wire scene comes on and I just oh. couldn't take it. Like it was so absurd. I hated it right after because it affected me so deeply. But the fact that I could not stop thinking about that movie for a year, I, Every single night, I would have another nightmare of that again. guy in the doorway. Like, it. No, yeah. It, it, and the more I think about it, the more like it's. It has like weird little pieces of his, history in it, and like occult lore, and like the performances are amazing in it. Like the the mom is just dude. Tony Collette. Tony Collette robbed of a nomination. The thing that I love the most about it too, as, as I watched it a few more times. If you take all of the supernatural haunting stuff out, it's still a wonderful movie about a terrible family tragedy. If all it is is her daughter dies, sorry if I'm spoiling this, it's been four years, so I think you, you're good. But um, <laughs> it like that, uh, it's a gut-wrenching story without the fact that there's a demon involved, <laughs> you know? And the, the thing, dude, and that's another thing that I think why horror scores work so well is because they have to create the atmosphere for the movie. Exactly. And, okay, so to add on more of my story, I heard that it was coming out. I didn't know much about it just because I was like, well, I want to go see something at Sundance. So I just told some people, I was like, hey, I'm going to go. No one said they wanted to go. <laughs> I was at a hot tub, realized that I had to drive, and I didn't have any clothes in my car. So I put on a jacket. And I put on some sweats that I had in my car and they like frisk you before they go up. They're like, can you open your jacket? And they're like, slid it down. And I didn't have a shirt on. They're like, uh, yeah, you can just go in. And I sat down in the back and I was just covering my eyes for the last. Yeah. Couldn't do it. It it is so much. I still Becky, my wife will make the little arm thing and click her mouth all the time. And I freaking hate it. I hate it. But dude, I love her. Well, she can do it. it. Yeah, that that's the thing, though. I mean, it's so weird how much I love how terrified and honestly just sick to my stomach I felt every time I watch that movie. Even even now with like rewatches, I know everything that's going to happen, and it's still I still can't take it sometimes. 
We we got to talk I, more horror after the. Pod. We do, we do. Yeah, and I, Tanner, I wish you gotta see Hereditary. It's dude. Oh, I, I saw it. I, I have. Oh, we you reviewed have. it on the pod. It was like our sixth In take. Theaters. I for some reason I just assumed you hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really, I, really, I really glad that. you saw that. Okay, yeah, but you I have to go that. watch it. Like, I, went, now. <laughs> I, w- I went through puberty like eight times during that movie. <laughs> Hereditary. That's a movie you got to watch with every single light oh. in the house turned on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you got like I can watch a horror movie with friends. Yeah. Absolutely not by myself. It is for sure. take four. Charlie's I gotta go day listen off. to that. That is our Hereditary. Charlie's day off. That's dark. Yeah. That's some. Quality dark humor. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, Pierre's Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> I don't even remember how we came up with that. Charlie's Day uh, Off. Oh, man. Hey, th- take 79. Anything else? Honestly, I feel like I have just talked straight for an hour and 30 minutes i i think <laughs> i think it's best to cut me off before i keep going we love it this has been a great take, no, man, take we, 79 we <laughs> oh we were so excited to get you on because you know people always hear our voices and they want to hear you know the sweet dulcet tone of Matt. well thank you and all the music and all the things that you've uh, encountered and learned it was awesome thank no, you no i had the most amazing time and i hope that i don't have to wait 79 more episodes to be on again Oh, probably won't be. <laughs> also, I have one last question. Who yeah. is the most famous person you've ever met, whether in music or outside of music? Neil deGrasse Tyson did some voiceover at the studio I worked at, and he was the nicest guy in the world. He was like 6'3 and really intimidating, and then he took photos with everybody in the studio. So I didn't know he was that tall. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. It was, and also was favorite cool. artist? Musician artist? Yes. Like, oh man. Band, artist, musician, whatever it is. Music. I think I gotta say John Mayer. Oh, yeah. Chubbs will love that. Our buddy Trevor. Oh, I know, I know Chubbs. Oh, you know Chubbs? Yeah. Well, oh, I know yeah, Chubbs from right. Maddie. I didn't okay, know his name right. was Trevor until about a we month played, ago. We played Jackbox games, an absolute blast. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Skirt, skirt, That's skirt kind of the, the genesis of skirt. me and Tanner's. <laughs> so, yeah, I met Matt at the gym. Uh, we talked like Game of Thrones with Maddie, <laughs> yeah. and then and then that was like my second time I think seeing you was that well, yeah. little group date. Yeah, it was a blast. That was a lot Sweet. of fun. And if you were in Arkansas, you'd be there too, Keeks. Oh, I dude, yeah. it pains 100%. me that I'm out here because we have so many things we want to do with the pod, but it's so hard because we're far away. Totally. Well, you guys do a phenomenal job. With you, you would never know that you guys are literally across the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can go to Raising Cane's whenever I want. That is nice. That's yeah, an advantage you have over us, especially in these times uh, where drive throughs are becoming more and more like re- fun, you know, fun outings. Yeah. 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 It's, it's normal. I, it's I got dressed baby. up. Uh, we'll talk about it after the after this. I think that's it for Take 79. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> TC, think who's your favorite it, artist? I want to know now real quick. Who's my favorite, favorite musician, what? music, anything like that? Oh. At- <laughs> yellow card yeah. <laughs> ocean avenue oh, maddie and i sing that about two times a day <laughs> uh, i love me some yellow card uh i can't put on the spot with music because it gets me stressed because there's so many yeah. you know musicians true. i like and whatnot so that's true you know yellow card is always a staple keeks though. what's yours kanye west okay yeah mm-hmm. he's he's great yeah uh, it's Gold, Becky's Gold too. We- is one of the best records ever made i think Oh, so yeah. good. Me, me and Becky were at um, Travis Scott's music festival in November. Cool. And he brought Kanye out. So that was like her. I'd oh, seen him awesome, before, man. but Becky'd never seen him. Love, love me some T Scott. Did as he well. do the Sunday service thing? 
No, it just he just came out and did something off of Oh, cool. Jesus is King. And then That's... he did Can't Tell Me Nothing, which is my favorite song of all time. Oh, right on. Oh, that and Purple great Rain song. Fantastic. Dude, yeah, love that. Okay. Um hey that's a wrap for Take 79. Everybody, stay sweet. Matt, again, thank you for coming thank on. Thank you, guys. This was the best. Love it. Oh, absolute blast. I need to get a PS4. Just play <laughs> I need to get one, too. <laughs> yeah. TB, join you guys. Maybe you guys get ASAP. a Sony sponsorship. Please, sponsor yeah. the Oh, that'd be Sony. great. But <laughs> yeah. it doesn't mean we'll, we'll review your movies well. We'll still be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. All right. Stay sweet. Everybody stay sweet. Sweet. sweet.